Welcome to the Broken Pie Chart Podcast, episode 163. I'm your host, Derek Moore. And this week, we're going to be talking about, well, really giving a contrarian take on inflation and the Fed. And the contrarian take is the Fed raising interest rates will actually increase inflation on a major component, and that's housing. And housing, we talk about uh, you know, rents, and we talk about owner's equivalent rents and things like that. But yeah, just my opinion, and I am certainly could be wrong. But yeah, I think the Fed raising rates could actually increase inflation. I don't know in the long run, and I'll get into that. Uh, but it's a bit of a contrarian take. And so when we think about inflation, it's the consumer price index, and the numbers for the month of March will be out uh, actually this week. They're released usually about two weeks into the into the new month for the prior month. And so shelter, housing, rents, all that type of stuff, believe it or not, it's in the CPI, it's a little over 40% of the weighting. And to, to give you some numbers, I think housing in, uh, in the month of February, so when we think about, uh, you know, that's the one that was released in March. I mean, it was up around 4.5% year over year. And you might say, well, that's not too much. Okay. But remember, this is a big part of inflation. There are other things like lodging away from home. I assume that means hotels or motels. And I don't know if Airbnb is in there. That was up 25% year over year. And sure, there's interesting dynamics there. uh, But lodging away from home has a very small weight compared to some of the bigger things just like soup, just like, you know, any, any number of things, right? But let me get, get into this. So the CPI, pretty big weight, above 40%. The PCE has a lower weighting from the shelter, uh, rental, you know, all, all that stuff. They're probably a little bit over 20%. But CPI is the one that the news comes out with. That's the, the big one right now. And so when they do... They basically do surveys, and there's two different components. There's owner's equivalent rent and rent. Okay, you're like, what is owner's equivalent rent? Wouldn't you just look at housing prices? Okay, I'll explain more about that. But owner's equivalent rent essentially says, and they do this by surveys, and so the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and I think they do 80,000 surveys or something like that, and they break down into ge- different geographic regions. They they have an index and, you know, so it's not like, oh, they only called homes in Las Vegas or Arizona that went up by the most now. But they asked the question, if someone were to rent your home today, how much do you think it would rent for monthly, unfurnished and without utilities? That's what they asked somebody who owns a home. Since 1982, that's been really the method. Prior to 1982, they actually used like home prices and mortgage rates and different things like that. So the other question is asked of consumers who rent. So the first one was owners, second one is rent. And they say, what is the rental charge to your household for this unit, including any extra charges for garage and parking facilities and don't include direct payments by local, state, or federal agencies? And what period of time does this? So those are your two questions. 
And basically, that's how OER, or owner's equivalent rent, and rent indexes are sort of compiled, right? And they have a pretty big weighting, as I said, in the CPI, all right? Now, I also mentioned that there was a change, and the change is before 1983, the Bureau of Labor Statistics, and I'll kind of get into a little bit more here, and they used, as I said, house prices, mortgage interest rates, property taxes, insurance, maintenance costs to estimate shelter costs for homeowners. But they changed it. 83, they changed the approach and began using the concept of OER to estimate the rental costs for homeowners. So just think about this. And this gets back to why I think the Fed raising interest rates will actually increase inflation by a little bit. Just one of the components, but it's a big component. And think about it. If you got a call and somebody said, hey, what do you think, if you were to rent your own house, what would you pay? Well, I'm just thinking out loud here, but I think a lot of this would be tied to your mortgage payment. Or maybe you know somebody in the neighborhood who's, who's renting and has your same floor plan or square footage and says, you know what, they're getting that. I'll bet you I have to pay this. The rent is a little bit more straightforward. Uh, although some people have argued that if you are a long-term renter, then you are more sticky and you're apt to get a better deal than if you were just renting brand new. And so there is an argument that you should only be using brand new rents, not people who have been renting. But anyway, that's, that's a discussion for another podcast. So, okay. So let's get back to this, uh, this kind of triangulate back to the Fed and, and raising interest rates. And I would say that there is a, you know, a lot of people look at the price of houses but the reality is, for many years, interest rates are going down. And your cost, if you have a mortgage, is not necessarily what you pay for the house. It's what you need to pay in your mortgage payment every month. And we know that for the better part of 40 years, treasury bonds have been going down. And we know that uh, you know interest rates have been really good, even the, in the late 90s. You know, people were getting uh, late 90s, yeah, mid to late 90s. You know, people were excited when they got a, a 10-year arm and it was, you know, 7.5% or something like this. Now, interest rates have, have risen recently and certainly that, uh, you know, is going to, for new home buyers, paying, the, you know, buying at the same amounts, they're going to pay more in, in, you know, mortgage interest every month. And to kind of give you an idea on this, I mean, let's say you took a $500,000 loan at 10%, excluding taxes and fees and any other stuff like that. Your monthly mortgage payment on a 30-year fixed rate would be about $4,388. $4, okay. So now let's say the home price doubled, but your interest rate was half to 5%. Well, then your mortgage payment would be fifty-three sixty-eight. So the home price can double, but if your mortgage rate goes down, the amount that you'll actually pay each month only went up, you know, it didn't double, right? And so let's put this another way. We know that interest rates, 30-year rates recently, um, you know, let's do this on a $300,000 home at 2.75%. The monthly payment's about 
$1,225. If someone's buying that same $300,000 home, but now interest rates go to 5%, okay, what happens then? Now your payment's $1,610 a month. Why am I talking about this? You're like, hey, this is an, you talk about economics and investing and things like this. Here's where this comes back to. If the Fed is raising interest rates, the Fed is raising interest rate, what happens? Well, the easiest thing to, to talk about is the fact that if rates go up, unless home prices go down, the person buying the same house today that they were a couple months ago, or I, I guess when did, maybe it was middle of last year, they're paying a lot more. So when you talk about owner's equivalent rent, remember that phone call? Hey, if you're renting your house out instead of being an owner, if you were, if you had to rent your own house or if you had to rent out your house, what, what do you think you would charge? Don't you think that increase in mortgage rates would affect that? Now you might say, well, wait a second. What if these aren't people who bought recently or are buying now? Don't they have a, a lower mortgage payment? that still anchors their bias to how much? Yeah, absolutely. But the point is that Fed raising rates increases the, the cost, the mortgage rates for new buyers. All right. Here's the other thing. If rates go up and you have that 2.75% 30-year fixed mortgage, means doesn't matter what inflation happens. doesn't matter if interest rates on mortgages go to 25%. The next 30 years, you have 2.75%. Do you really think you're going to move and sell that house and buy another house? And you're going to pay much more every month? Maybe the house you're buying isn't even that much different than the house you're selling. So in a weird way, raising rates could lower the supply of housing. People might not be apt to put their house on the market. In fact, look at it another way. Maybe people say, okay, I could downsize or cash out and then go to and start renting. But we'll get to rents in a second. So if they, if they opt to, let's say, oh, actually, one more thing on that. And that's home builders. So a lot of times home builders, they'll finance their, their cost. And it could be whether acquiring land, they'll finance that. Uh, I mean, most of the time, they're not just paying cash. They say, hey, let me give you cash, pay for it free and clear. But no, I mean, let's say they buy land or they're holding land or they have, they finance the cost of the, the construction of actually going and building. If their cost increased, their financing cost increased, do you think that they're going to be more apt to build more or slow down a little bit. So remember, it's a, it's a supply and demand thing. So just some things to think about there. All right, so I went searching and I found a, a paper. This is from January of 2019. This is by uh, Diaz and Duarte called Monetary Policy, Housing Rents and Inflation Dynamics. And what this paper did, I said, okay, what wonder what anyone's really studied this. And what they did was they studied the effect of monetary policy shocks on housing rents. And their main finding, and I'm reading from the paper here, 
housing rents increased in response to contractionary monetary policy shocks. And by shocks, they, they're defining that as raising interest rates. Okay. And so when you look at their data, and I think they went back and they, they measured, uh, I got to look at this here again, uh, but they basically looked at a large sample and they looked at a number of years. I think it was over since the 80s, maybe through uh, the late 20-teens. And they found a couple things. They found that the price level of housing, and so we think about housing prices, housing rents, housing, uh, you know, and really what you're concerned about, housing rents, owner's equivalent rent, and shelter. All three of those rose in a contractionary monetary situation, meaning the Fed was raising rates. And what's interesting is they looked at some different areas. They looked at apparel, they looked at food and beverage, they looked at recreation, education, communication, transportation. And all of those were either flat, meaning not too much change, or they actually went down. And I'm not saying that shelter and housing and owner's equivalent rents all spiked. But what I'm saying is that according to their paper and the methodology they used and uh, looking at this, what they're saying is that, okay, guess what? A major component of the CPI uh, actually went up when you had a contractionary monetary policy, i.e. raising rates. Now, one of the other things that the paper mentioned, and they talked about the idea of rents increasing, well, owned as equivalent rents, which is you know housing cost, but rents increase. It also talks about the supply and demand effect. And one of the, the theories in the paper is that, okay, when rates go up and mortgage rate rise and the cost of home ownership increases, that home ownership cost means the demand for rental housing also increases and therefore housing rents rise. So you think about this, you'd say, okay, well, if mortgage rates rise, remember, it's not necessarily the home price. It's the mortgage and the monthly payment that I believe that most people are sort of focused on. And then your monthly payments, a, a derivation of what you make every month and a percentage of your income that you allocate to housing. But it says, okay, well, if you can't, you can't handle that or if, you, if that's not appealing to you because the, the mortgage rates have gone up, then, hey, I'll just rent and therefore you have more people chasing rental units than you do housing. So anyway, I bring this up because there's been a lot of talk recently and trying to, I mean, the good thing is that I think people are starting to understand more and more what inflation is and some of the dynamics. But I, I bring this up because um, I haven't been convinced that the Fed raising rates will do anything necessarily for inflation, okay? And when you think about when you rise, when you raise the cost of financing, and I talked about home builders, but even when you think about cost of holding inventory, a, a lot of businesses, I mean, they, they pay for, for goods, then they store them in inventory, and then they, they sell them. But there's that financing cost in between you know, getting it or paying for it and then selling it, and that goes higher. And in housing, I think when you raise rates, you obviously raise the mortgage rates. You make that more expensive. You also, as I said, lower potentially lower the supply of housing 
because people are going to be like, no, 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 no. I'm not, I have a 2.75% mortgage for 30 years. I'd like to move, but I'm not going to move because if I move, my monthly payment goes up and then you have all the costs associated with selling a house, like the, the realtor commission and all that stuff, right? So I still think that the supply side, um, I don't want to start, maybe might be a supply side shock, but I think it's the the problems in the supply chain. We've all heard about the the shipping container rates and everything like that, the trucking rates. Although recently, Freight Waves actually came out with a, uh, they had a blog article. I'll link to it. I'll link to all this stuff in the show notes, by the way, um, that showed that the, they call it the tender rejection rates. And, and basically what that means is when uh, there's more capacity now than there has been in some time in trucking. And what that means is, you know, for a while, Somebody had something to, to truck across the country. They were like, no, 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 we can't take that. We're too busy. And now it seems like that's that's coming down. But I, I bring this up because I I still think that the Fed raising rates doesn't address the supply side thing. Uh, the Fed raising rates potentially could increase costs over the short run in things like a big component of the CPI, which is owner's equivalent rent and rents. Uh, shelter, all that type of stuff, right? And so that that goes back to the idea that if the only way that the Fed raising rates helps prices get lowered is if they raise rates and cause a slowdown in demand and the demand slowdown. Um, and some people say, well, you know, the Fed might cause a recession. There's been some recession talk. Uh, maybe I'll do that in another episode. Uh, but the, these things really, um, I think it's just a little counterintuitive. It's a contrarian take. Um, and it doesn't affect necessarily any of the way that I invest or, you know, invest for uh, for clients. And by the way, if you want to talk more about that, uh, you can get a hold of me at Derek.more at zegafinancial.com. That's D-E-R-E-K dot M-O-O-R-E at Z is in Zebra, E is in Eddie, G is in George, A is in Apple. Financial is up to you to spell correctly. And uh, do drop me a line if you have questions on that, if you have questions on this episode or suggest other topics. Uh, this is one, I actually got this question recently in talking to someone who said, well, if, if the Fed raised its rates, like doesn't that increase the cost for everybody? And so I started to take a look at that and that's kind of where the, the genesis of this episode happened. All right, so that's it for uh, this week's edition. We'll be back next week with another episode. And I hope this was enlightening. I always like to look at this and try and break it down into small pieces and make it understandable. And I know inflation is still going to be in the news for some time, it seems like, as is the Federal Reserve. I think their next meeting is the first week of May. And they just released the the meeting minutes Sorry, from their... Uh, their prior meeting in March. And so a lot of focus on inflation, a lot of focus on the Fed. Look, this is why we hedge. We don't try and time the markets. We don't look, understand or know when things will uh, will go up or down in, in sort of the short term. But in the long term, uh, believe having buffers and hedges, staying invested, not trying the time in the market all makes complete sense. When it comes to the housing market, I'll leave that for other people whether houses are overvalued or undervalued. 
But for investors and people who follow the economy, this stuff gets really interesting because it is a big, big component of CPI. And so having an understanding of this when you, you know, look, anytime you see the news and, you know, I mean, look, the, uh, the Cleveland Fed, their inflation now cast is expecting over 1% month over month growth in prices when it's released this week for March. And so I think you'll continue to see these higher year-over-year numbers for CPI, which means the nightly news, if you turn it on, they're going to have some headline, the highest inflation rate in over 40 years. It's still going to be in people's uh, minds. So the more you understand this, the better it is that you can talk about it and have conversations. All right, let's call it there. We'll see you next week.